0: You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Jesus. You're all I want. I don't know how your fast is going, but that's what I was thinking when I walked by the donuts this morning. That <laughs> you are stuff. all I want, Lord. <laughs> I mean you, Jesus, not this delicious. I mean awful for me donuts. <clears throat> Hope your fast is going well. Every time there's a a, a food word. It triggers my mind to think about food, though. I was reading out of the Bible yesterday, and the word Thanksgiving came up, and I immediately was distracted into feasting on food and not Jesus. And so, <laughs> but it's it's been beautiful. I mean, in, in worship, when we were singing Jesus' name together, if you're a feeler, you, you could tell that there's there's a difference between being in unity and not. <laughs> That's the only way I know to say it. We were created to be joint, knit together as one soul, one heart, as a body of believers um, all throughout the world, not just in this room, but the body of Christ is, is worldwide and we're meant to flow together. Now, we, we may not be, be there yet, but I believe that we're moving towards that. Um, and, and so when we are not in unity, you can tell that the flow of the Holy Spirit is, is broken up. It's not as tangible, it's not as good as it could be, even though it's still good. Um, And I know that good's not uh, probably a good enough word to describe what it is, but it's the best I've got at the moment. And so the same thing happens with uh, us and the Holy Spirit. We were created to move and breathe, and in Him we have our being, which means that I flow with Him as one. That him and I are one, John 17, Jesus prayed that we would be one. why? Because we actually are. It's not that he had to pray us into it. He knew that when we would get born again through Jesus, as we sang, he's the only one. Acts chapter four verse 12 said there's no under, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. that there's no other religion, there's no other God that leads to that, le- that leads to heaven, right? Jesus is the is the only way, and He said that. I, I didn't say that, so you'll have to take that up with Him if you don't like it. But I want to make sure I'm doing my due diligence that to, to make sure that we, as a body of believers, know foundational truths, and not to assume, not to assume that there's some other way. And it's because when we come into Him, I'll tell you that the the big difference is is love. And we come into unity with love because he's a God of love, it causes our our new nature that he always dreamed we would be to be activated. And then we flow from this place of being completely free to be ourselves. I believe it's one of the primary purposes of our lives is to be able to be free to be us. Free from fear, free from self-doubt, free from self-criticism, free from you name it. All the things that cripple us, all the things that stress us out, all the... You know, he he designed us to be free, and when we're in Him, we're free. And it's not that it does anything. It's not that it's to. He's like, oh, this is going to be good for me. He's like, no, it's going to be good for them, because it's always been it's always been selfless for him. Yeah. It's all it's always been about us. That's why he sent Jesus. And so when we flow as one with Him, it it causes us to be able to. Live out of that new nature, out of that freedom that we have. We call it being in the river. There's a river that flows from the throne of God. You see it in Revelations uh, 21 or 22. I can't remember exactly. And that, that river is, is the Holy Spirit. And when we're in the river, we feel refreshed. We feel energized. We feel alive. <laughs> our joy is up. Our hope is up. Those two things coincide actually the other way around. Our, jo- our hope is up, so our joy is up. And you, you can tell when we're-, when we're flowing with the Holy Spirit. I can tell when I'm not, when I don't trust, when I'm not resting, when I feel performance pushing on on me. Oh, you feel the pressure of life. And uh, we-, we weren't made to live from, from pressure. We were made to, to live from his, his pleasure. <clears throat> it relieves the pressure. Because we're not on stage in front of an audience of, of people performing, trying to get acceptance from, from our boss, from our kids, from our spouse, from our whatever, from our friends, from the world. We're, we're actually in front of an audience of one. <laughs> and he's already fully accepted us and fully approved us. <laughs> and because of that, we, we're able to rest in him. When I don't believe that, it's the opposite. But when I do, it's life-giving. It's the, it's the flow of the river that I get to just effortlessly. You know, when we were in, Lindsay and I were on vacation in Bonita Springs in November. And right before I went to Pakistan, I'll switch those things around next time. <laughs> vacation after Pakistan. Um, I think it was really good, but it, I learned a valuable lesson. But they had, a, they had this lazy river. So I hadn't been to a Lazy River since I've been to Holiday World. Are they have one at Holiday World? Is that where it's at? It's been a long time. I think it's been 10, 12 maybe years since since we've been there. Long time. And so I got in this la- Lazy River. And as I was in this Lazy River, you know what? It was just taking me where it went. It was just, and I didn't have to do anything. I just laid back. I just relaxed. And the Lord ministered to me so much on on that trip on the Lazy River. That was the main place that I got. I encountered God. I really felt that I received a new baptism of love while I was I was in this inner tube, and I was just getting wrecked by God, right? And then these... <laughs> and I'm laughing, and I'm by myself. Lindsay's not with me. I'm laughing, and I'm just having a good time, and I can feel the Father's love. I'm receiving the Father's love, and it's this thing that he's doing that's really... I'm like, this is Him, And he's, he's giving me this visual that's literally happening of this is what your life is supposed to be like it's supposed to be effortless you're supposed to flow with me as one and there are times when you do and times when you don't and this is what it feels like when you do and this is what it feels like when you don't he always gives us practical indicators to help us and so when when I, I'm I this this mom and their kid come around this the corner right <laughs> and they see me and I'm like oh boy of course, they allowed people to drink in the Lazy River, um, alcohol, you know, they could get drinks at the bar or whatever, and so I thought, she probably just thinks I'm drunk. So, not as you suppose, <laughs> but it was, a, it, was a va- it was a valuable lesson. It was very, you know, God's always showing us, if we we'll allow Him to, he'll, he'll give us revelation through practical life examples all the time. You watch Jesus minister throughout the Gospels, and He spoke to the people According to their culture, everything that he did, every analogy that he gave, every parable that he spoke, everything that he said spoke to that particular culture. And so why would God be any different today? Because he's still speaking. Matthew 4.4, we, we, uh, I don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. I like the King James there because the ETH means a continual, that God's continually speaking. He's not, he's not silent. Though we have his written word, he he speaks things that line up with his word, but he uses practical examples of modern day culture to teach us. Isn't that amazing? It's like he's relatable. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not what I'm going to talk to you about today, though. So I'm going to talk to you about the, I almost forgot something, but I'm going to talk to you about the power of remembrance. Remembrance. The memory is one of the most powerful things that we have, and there's two people that want to to use it. One's God, and and one's the devil. And so, if you want to put your finger in uh, Mark chapter 8, and I'm going to pray real quick. I've got something, I felt like I had something prophetic to share in worship, and I just want to share this prophetic word, and... Whoever it's for, you just grab a hold of it. Maybe for more than one of you, maybe not. But that's uh, Mark 8, around verse, around verse 13 is where I'm going to be speaking from today. And uh, I'll be referencing Joshua chapter, chapter 4. So yeah, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for everything that you've been doing in worship. We thank you that you are unifying us like never before. We thank you for the effortless flow, what it is to just be in in the river. (laughs) Yeah, so thank you. If you would, just come as the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom today, to give us insight into everything that you have for us. Thanks for speaking to every individual person in each way that they need it. Tailor-made for everyone because that's the kind of God that you are. Yeah. And so this is this is what I felt like I heard. I felt like that today's the day you get off the merry-go-round of self-criticism and self-hatred and introspection, and that there's even going to be a, a shifting in the way that you see yourself and the way that you talk to yourself, the self-talk that you have. And I even feel like that even later today, that when you look in the mirror, you'll know the difference because that self-hatred thing is going to be uh, it's going to be replaced by a self-love. And I felt like the Father was saying, you beat yourself up long enough. Today's the day that freedom comes so that you can actually lean back and rest in everything that I have given you, everything that I have for you. And I felt like the Father's grace is coming, even in this moment, to be able to help to, to cause you to do that, that this isn't anything that's going to be done out of your own strength. But it was like His grace was actually lifting you off of that merry-go-round that you've been on far too long, and it was taking you into this place of His love. And I felt like even now, as His grace comes, that there's refreshing that's coming with it. And as the refreshing comes, I feel like before you leave today, that you're going to know the difference. I even felt like something's shifting right now. I felt like there's something shifting in, in your mind or minds, whoever this is for. And I felt like that, yeah, yeah, that grace is causing a shift, that grace is causing a shift. And as he sits you in this place of his love, that his love is actually ca- it's actually seeping into all the places of your soul and it's bringing healing to your emotions and into, into your mind as well. And It's bringing this wholeness that you were designed to live out of. And I felt like that the enemy has been terrified of this very moment because he knows how powerful you truly are. And he's actually been the one that's caused these words. He's actually been the one that has has kicked you while you were down. He's been the one that's spoken these things, whispered these things, and convinced you that it was yourself and it was actually him. And I felt like today's the end date for it. The expiration date is today. And so, Father, we thank you right now for... Yeah, we thank you for freedom. (laughs) We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for this place of your love that heals, sets free, and restores us to everything that you, back to our original intent. And so thank you for the wholeness that's happening even in this moment. Only you can do this. We thank you for it, Father. Bless what you're doing in Jesus' name. Whew, thanks, Lord. I felt like I was a super sensitive word to share publicly, but I didn't I, I didn't want to even if I felt like I thought I knew who it was for, I didn't want to call anybody out because it's just not my deal. So other people can do that if they feel led to do it, but I just so if it's yours, you take it. I don't need to I don't need to know. Um, unless you you want to tell me, but so thanks Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing that things like that can can happen in a moment. I, I'll tell you that the the power of remembrance. You know, we talked yesterday. Part of our healing training is a, about. I talk about dealing with disappointment, and it's one of the the major things that all of us face in life. We all face disappointments. It's. It's just part of living, you know, you're like, well, I'm disappointed. I don't feel like a Christian. No, you're just, you got disappointed just because you're alive. Like you're with it with the rest of, you're in it with the rest of us. Like we all get disappointed over small things and over big things, but we face disappointment. There's things that, the, these things are are meant to destroy our hope. Because hope is one of the three pillars that we stand on. They're, it's a foundational what faith, hope, and love? These are the three three pillars that we stand on. If one of those things is removed or crippled, it's it's essentially like a chair with with three legs, <laughs> or one of them weak, small lawn chairs that I try to sit on. And I'm always I'm like this that takes faith. <laughs> I'm like this thing don't look like it's gonna hold me. <laughs> Talk about being crippled. I'm getting ready to cripple this chair. So these things are meant to because the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy he wants to destroy the things he can't stop you if you're a born again believer if you've given your life to Jesus you're sealed with the holy spirit and he can't do anything about that he can't do anything about the about you entering into heaven when you when you breathe your last breath but this life isn't about that that's the destination not the assignments And because this is the destination and not the assignment, he tries to destroy things that that will cause us to be productive and live an empowered life in the assignment. And hope is one of the major things, because whoever has the most hope has the most influence. If you ain't got hope, they don't want what you're selling. right? They don't want what you're talking about. People don't want Jesus if you're not hopeful. And if I bring them into a gospel that doesn't give them hope, they're just going to be hopeless, which will get them to heaven one day. But again, now, hear me, if that was the only thing going, I'd I signed up a long time ago for it. <laughs> but it's not. And so he desires to change the world around us through his love and power, through us, through partnership, through oneness. Doesn't have to have us, but he chose to do it this way. Still baffles me why at times, but I'm grateful that I get to. And we all do it. We, it doesn't matter your, your position in the body of Christ. You're a part of the body of Christ. You have influence. you got influence in your own household. you got influence in, the, in your workplace. You've got influence. You say, well, I don't feel like a lot of people look to me. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. You might influence that one person that comes up with the next Cure for cancer, or right the next you know you might be raising up the next child that's going to be a scientist that has crazy breakthroughs, or the next president, or the next governor, or what you name it. You don't know what your kid's going to be. Don't ever discount the influence that you have just right in front of you. That's in your own house. And so we all have it. We all get to do it. It's a part of our DNA. The moment that we became born-again believers, we stepped into our new nature. We stepped into what his original intent for us was, and we're all influencers. Not in the way that social media talks about, and you got 100,000 followers that will wear the same shoes that you just advertised because now an influencer wore them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the, the grace of God, which is the divine influence upon the heart of man, which makes it possible for us to live the life that he says we can and gives us the power, gives us the love, gives us everything that we need to be able to impact others with the same grace that impacted us. It's a free gift. Jesus said, you got it for free, give it away for free. Isn't that beautiful? It's just the kind of God he is. And so for us to be able to do this, at a, this so there's, there's two places that we can live from in our daily lives. Uh, one is thriving and, and one is not. And we were designed to thrive in every season. How do I know that, that I'm, I'm thriving? I'll, I'll be full of hope. It doesn't have anything to do with my current situation. Hear me. This is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you can't thrive in a situation that is not ideal. I've done it. I've, 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 th- I've been thriving in situations that are not ideal. And I've, I have not, I've lived at a place where I wasn't thriving in situations that were ideal. So it's not dependent upon my circumstances, my situation, my environment. Because I'm not a victim of my environment. You're not a victim of your environment or the people that are around you. Because you're a powerful person. And grace says so isn't that great it's just so hard to argue with God I've done it before but I've never won it's never worked out well for me I don't win arguments at home I don't know why I'm not I'm not even being kind just because of my wife she's in the other she's not even in here so I'm just telling the truth so but to be able to thrive in this place, there's, there's key components that help us to be able to live from a place that God created us to. So there's this, this place that God get, gave every single believer access to, and it says in Ephesians 2.6 that we're seated in heavenly places with Him in Christ Jesus. That seated in heavenly places, it is right now, it's not later on after we go to heaven. It's right now, and you think, how can that be possible? I'll tell you this, one thing that I have learned is that if I try to comprehend spiritual truths with my natural mind, I'll discount them every time, because they don't get digested through my natural mind. Truth gets digested through my spirit and works a way up into my mind, and as I meditate on it, as I've heard, uh, heard Sarah, I may mess up her quote, but my heart was pulling me towards the goodness of God before my mind could comprehend it. And so in here, it's in your, in your knower. This is your truth teller. And oftentimes, a lot of times we call it uh, intuition. Or you may call it a mother's intuition, where you just know something. Right? Well, we all have the ability to, to, to hear God with our knower. It's not audible. It's not an internal voice. It's not a vision. It's any of that. It's just knowing something. And I know something's truth in here that doesn't always make sense to my mind. And so that seated in heavenly places is one of those things. And you say, well, what does it do for me? What shows me that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, I'm in him. If he's seated, that's what you do when when you're done. When you're done for the day, you sit down. (laughs) Now, if you sit for work, then you sit down somewhere else. But (laughs) you sit down at home, and that's where he sat down, at the right hand of the Father. Well, guess what? When you and I got born again, we went into... We, we became one with him, and we got to sit down at home because home is in his heart, and that's where we're at. And so it's a, it's a beautiful place to live from, but I only benefit from it if my beliefs are, are, are continually being renewed. And so this is one of the things today that I want to give you a key. There's, there's keys. Keys represent authority there's keys sprinkled throughout the Bible that give us access into places that God created us to live from because He hides things for us and not from us. Well, how do I find Him? I seek Him. What's that mean? I spend time with Him. I get to know Him. I read His Word. I worship. I spend time around His people. I don't make it a religious duty. I make it something that I know that it benefits me and I want to know Him because I was designed to. And remember that the more I more I read, the more that I meditate on his word, the hungrier I become. It's the opposite in the kingdom. Everything's upside down. In the natural, the more I eat, the the more satisfied I become and I, I don't need food. That's not true right now, because the more vegetables and fruit I eat, the feels like the hungrier I get. I know it's good for me. It's just that my body's not used to it. But in the in the in the kingdom, the more of the word I read, the, the more of the word I read, the more of the time I sin with him, the more I want to. So if that's dwindled or almost left or faded away to a minimal, it's not him. It's me. It's a choice I just need to make on a daily basis that I can. It's no shame or condemnation. Condemnation if it has dwindled. It's just a place that I can easily get back into by making the next choice. The next morning, say, hey, I'm going to spend time with you. Whatever that looks like is between you and Jesus, whatever your schedule is. It's just that we were designed to thrive in these seasons. And if I get caught up, as I have so many times, in the busyness of life and allow my schedule to dictate my time with him or dictate my life lived with him, then all I will be doing is surviving. And we weren't made to survive. And so so it's not I pr- I promise you that it's better than just getting a paycheck, paying your bills and, and having a place to live and food on your table, roof over your head. All right? It's it's there's more to life than that. It's it's way better than that. But it's only it's only way better if I if I submit to the process. And so the memory, as I started to talk about, is one of the most powerful things that we have, and it is, I have found in my own personal life, one of the main things that has tormented me over the course of my Christianity has been the memory of whether it's 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 25 years ago or last week or yesterday. It's the memory of it. It's the meditation that I think about the things that I did wrong. And the more I think about the things that I did wrong, the more I meditate on those particular things, the more that becomes a part of my my brain. My brain begins to look for, it actually begins to expect. There's an expectation that is built to when I, if there's certain times, for example, if, if it's the time, When you lay down at night and that's where you meditate on the fear or the worry or the things of the past, whatever it is, or even the things that might happen or might not happen in the future and you're worried about them, if that's that time, your brain, every time you go to that place after doing that so long, you go to lay down at night, that's when your brain begins to expect you to do those things. And it will begin to trigger those type of memories. And then they come up. And then we grab a hold of them, and then we begin to focus on them, and then it becomes this, you know, not a great night's sleep, is it? <laughs> I've had a lot of those night sleeps. You know, you get up and you're like, did I sleep last night? I don't know if I slept, but I sure did worry. <laughs> so, here is here is some scripture to go with this. Actually, in Joshua chapter 4, I'm, I'm going to talk about this first. In Josh, Joshua chapter 4, and then I'm going to make a parallel out of Mark chapter 8. So the children of Israel had just crossed over the, the banks they had just crossed over the Jordan. And it's in a time when the, actually the water flooded the banks of the Jordan. It went up over the banks. It was the it was rainy season. And God tells them, this is what happened. Just in case you don't know the story, go back and read it. Joshua 1 through 4. And he tells Joshua, hey, I want you to have the priests take the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of the Testimony, and I want you to have them stand in the Jordan River. And when you have them stand in the Jordan River, what will happen is the, the, the water will become like walls, similar to the Red Sea, and the children of Israel will be able to walk over into the Promised Land. But not only do I want you to do that, I want you to grab 12 stones. I want you one for each of the tribes of the children of Israel. I want you to grab 12 stones, and they're going to be memorial stones. And this is what's going to happen is you're going to set them up in Gilgal on the other side of the Jordan in the promised land. And then and when your children ask, they'll say, what are these stones for? And you'll be able to tell them, this is when the Lord came through and delivered us in this supernatural way. Not only that, but you know, is the, the, it, it points back to, so after this, Joshua takes 12 stones, and he puts them actually in the, in the river. And then the priests come out, and the, and the water goes back to the way it was, and I'm like, why'd you have him put 12 stones in the river? And I felt like the Father was saying, is because when you remember the things that I have done, what it does is it accesses this place of grace, and this place of you staying in the flow of the river, so that you can live from refreshing You can live from the overflow of life is because when you're doing that, you're obeying what Psalms 37.3 says is that you are feeding on my faithfulness. You are blessed are those who keep his his testimonies, those that focus on the things that he has done. It doesn't mean that I am oblivious to the things that are going on in my life. It doesn't mean that I'm not focusing on some of my attention on the problems that I have or the things that I need to actually do and get done. It, It is not something that causes me to be in a place of not paying attention or fruitful in present time, but it actually causes me to thrive in present time. Because it's what it's doing is it's bringing my memory back to this place of God is, is good. And I focus my attention there. Because this is, this is one of the major things that the enemy wants to, wants to whisper into that, to that. I mean, he's doing it in culture, but he wants to do it in the body of Christ. And I get no more... Flack over any teaching but the goodness of God Because everybody declares that God is good, but when it gets down to it When the rubber meets the road, so to speak Sometimes you feel like well, he's not been good to me Or well, and then you start to question his goodness and that's what the enemy would like so but As I often say he sent Jesus so that makes him good If he never did anything for me, he sent Jesus for me. That's enough that's all I need, regardless of what's happened in my life, because good things and bad things happen to all of us. If I keep that my focal point and say, that's enough, then that will be enough. And I settle that into my mind and I transform my mind with it. I keep that thing in, in here, in, inside of my mind, so that I meditate on it. And when something happens that I feel like, even as Christians, have you ever felt like you deserved something because you knew Jesus paid for it? It's entitlement. It's terrible, but I know that it's happened to me. You think, I ought to get this, because I know you paid for it. You don't say it out loud to anybody else, but you think it. And when those thoughts tempt, have tempted me, I have, tr- I have transformed my mind with the truth that you sent Jesus, and, and he's enough for me. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. And then, you know what that does? is That, that, rele- that releases me from all the static, all, all the lies that are around that want to tell me that god's not good because this happened or because this didn't happen or because he didn't come through on that prayer or whatever it is it settles all that stuff and that's something that's it's the it's the foundational truth of the gospel it is the gospel and when i make it when i make it a meditation When I I choose to to come into agreement with it, regardless of what's going on in life, it will take it down to the foundation of who I am until it will be a natural response when bad things happen. And I will no longer question his goodness. Because I question his goodness. I've had all out arguments with God over things that have happened or things that didn't happen. Well, since I'm talking about since I've been in ministry and before you know we've been doing this almost 8 years and and that's and there's been lots of of things that have happened that have had have brought that very thing that I talked about the disappointment that tempted to wreck my hope and so w- while that happened and and while my hope has been shipwrecked at times because i fed on disappointment through that, those seasons, or through that season, God taught me a practical principle that he was showing the children of Israel when they were crossing the Jordan. You need to get yourself some memorial stones. You got to have good memories. You got You got good memories in there. It just feels like you don't because you focused on the bad ones for so long. It's overwhelming. And now all you can see is the bad ones because there's a biblical principle called magnification. Whatever I focus on is going to get bigger. <laughs> if I focus on a problem or what the devil's doing, it will get so big that I'll think that my God is very small. I wouldn't think it out loud, but it comes, it's actually what I start to internalize. And that's why my hope decreases. <clears throat> but when I put my hope in Jesus, where it's anchored, as it says in Hebrews, there, where he is on the mercy seat, my hope is in Him alone. Not in what's happening here. It isn't that I don't have hope for stuff. It's that my main hope is anchored there. It puts it in a place that it's solidified and it's immovable. And that's the plan. And that's what memorial stones help remind me of. God is, God is good. He's a good God. I'm feeding on His goodness. It's the testimony of the goodness of God. It's not coincidental that also in the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony, we're all things that pointed them back to the testimony. Aaron's rod that budded, right? Manna that came down from heaven, and then the stone tablets. They all pointed them back to to remind them of who God was, to remind them that he is, he's a good God that that comes through and he's shown them that many times. So in Mark chapter 8, Jesus has just demonstrated the goodness of God multiple times. He had demonstrated it, I believe, two chapters before in chapter 6 where he had just, excuse me, him and the disciples had just fed 5,000 people, not counting women and children. Could have been 10,000 or 15,000 people. We're not for sure. And so, and then in Mark chapter 8, he he fed 4,000, they fed 4,000 people. And then Jesus, at this point, so there's two crazy, amazing miracles of multiplication of food. I mean, they just got a handful of loaves and a few fish, and this is real. This is not an analogy. This is, this is, you know, it, he's not just saying, "Oh, well, this is." It's not figurative. Some theologians will say some of the things in the Bible are, are figurative and they're not actually didn't literally happen. <laughs> we know that that's not true. Um, so. In Mark chapter 8, verse 13, it says, This is when they're getting into the boat <clears throat> after the feeding of the 4,000, and after the Pharisees were asking Jesus for a sign, and he's like, This generation's not getting a sign. Which is, I'm like, Not getting a sign. I'm like, His whole life was a sign and wonder. <sighs> but they were looking for Him to do something, and He was telling them, Look, I am your sign. <laughs> And they couldn't see it because they were blinded by religion and blinded by the law. It's nasty, I'm telling you. Religion is meaner than sin. So Mark chapter 8 verse 13 says, And he he left them getting into the boat, again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. (laughs) Then... (laughs) I just laughed because this would have been me. Then he charged them saying, because I think about food so often. Then, it's just when I'm fasting. Verse 15, then he charged them saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, It's because we have no bread. (laughs) And Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, or in other words, saying, Well, let's just pretend like I'm talking about bread. Why do you reason because you have no bread? He was actually trying to give them a deeper spiritual truth. He was telling them, beware of the political spirit and of the religious spirit. If you allow that to get into your life and into your thinking, it's the leaven that leavens the whole lump. Otherwise, you let a little bit of it influence you, it will take over, and then you'll get what you see of the nastiness even within Christians that's happening right now. And it's been, it's, you know what, it didn't, it didn't start at the end of the last election. It started thousands of years ago. It's why they've been fighting in the Middle East and they haven't stopped. They're like, we just want peace in the Middle East. I'm like, yeah, well, only Jesus can bring peace to that because it's, a reli- it's the religious spirit that fuels that thing, which the political spirit and the religious spirit are very similar. And I believe that's why Jesus brought it up. And he's trying to warn them over something important, but they're not ready for deeper spiritual truth. And so because they're not ready and their mind's still on the natural things, he says, okay, I'm going to give you something that's going to add value to your life because he's that good. I'm going to give you something that will add value to your life when you're thinking about the natural things. So it says, why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? That stings. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? <clears throat> having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, twelve. See what he's doing. He's pointing them back to the testimony of the goodness of God. He's recalibrating them. That's what Jesus is always doing. He's he's trying to recalibrate us. It's just a shift in perspective. It's just like you're like, what? I can't I can't see. And he's like, here, look here. And it's just a small shift in perspective because life is truly all about perspective. And he's shifting them back to the testimony of the goodness. And then in verse 20, he says, Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. He's, pointing them, he's giving them testimony upon testimony of his, of his goodness. And then he said to them, how is it that you do not you do not understand? This is what I hear when he says, how is it that you do not understand? How is it that after you've been with me and you've seen the testimonies of my goodness and you've seen the miracles happen, how is it that you still, when you hear that there's a need in the natural, why do you immediately think to what you have? Why do you look at your bank account? Why do you pull out your wallet? Why do you look to your gifting? Why do you look to what resources you have? Why are you looking in the limited realm? When I did these things, I gave you new lenses to look through. They're the lens of the testimony, which actually made it to what what I believe or what I like to say is that we no longer have the legal right to look at any situation the same, though I have looked at many situations the same way. I can't tell you how many times after having financial testimonies of the goodness of God and Him bringing in thousands of dollars when we, when we desperately needed it, and I have testimony after testimony after testimony, when, when the issue of money had come up, I would look to what we have and forget that God's come through so many times with what we didn't have. And so what I'm doing is, is I'm actually trying to say, oh, what, what, what resources do I have instead of trusting in, the one who is actually my source. And so he's, he says, back up in verse 18, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? He's giving us multiple different ways to, to focus. He said, do you, do you not see? Is there, is there no visualization of, of what I'm doing? Are you not conscious of it? Or are you not able to, to see anything right now? That's okay. Do you not hear? Do you not hear my voice? Are not able to, to tune in? There's times when I don't see very well, and there's times when I don't hear very well. But then he brings it back to something that we can all do. And he says, and do you not remember? He's saying, you actually have the power to choose the memories, the memorial stones in your life. Even if you haven't set them up, you still have them in your life. If you look back over the course of your life and you will allow me to guide you and not your, and, and not your brain, but you will allow the Spirit of God to, to guide you, you will see the fingerprints of mine all over your life. You'll, you'll see the times that I rescued you. You'll remember the times that I provided for you. You'll remember the miracles that I did for you. And it will bring you into a place and you'll say, Oh yeah, I don't have to focus on on the natural. This is I am not limited by what I have or what I see in the natural, but I actually have a source from a good father that will provide everything for me in abundance. Regardless of what it is. And I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm talking about energy. I've got enough grace. I've got enough love. I've got enough forgiveness. Right? I've got every I've got everything in abundance, more than enough. And so I set up, this is what I personally have done, is I set up memorial stones in my life of memories. I remember there are things that trigger, there are things that trigger my mind, there are things that trigger my mind in places that I've been in this room. I remember baptizing my son right here. I remember him baptizing the Holy Spirit right there in the very first service that we had. I remember when Leah was, who we we started the church at Christ Fellowship of Indianapolis and and, um, and she had scoliosis and uh, one of her legs was, well, you know, she had a malignment issue. I checked it before surface. I knew that she had scoliosis. I was just going, I don't think I had a word of knowledge or anything. It was just, you know, I was going off natural knowledge and I noticed that, you know, we measured her legs and her alignment was off. I tell you, the chiropractor tells you, and that's how we check it. And <clears throat> this was 2013, And I said, I felt like in my heart, I felt like, hey, I should, I should wait for Bryler, That's my son's name. And I thought I should wait for him and I'll have him watch this. And so I just thought it was a good idea. I had no idea that it was a God idea. And so after, it may have been after service or some point during the service, I forget. And, And, uh. Cooperated because she's like Lindsay and she doesn't want to be out in front of anybody and I, I get that they do You know great stuff in the background And so I, I was grateful that she was willing to cooperate and I have bryler come over And watch as god heals because it's a physical dem- Demonstration of a miracle happening and I, and he watches as, as god heals and i'm i'm pumped i'm like man Glad he saw this because he was not in a place where he was really a believer at that point in time and um, We go out to lunch that day and we're at a mexican restaurant off off county line and we're sitting there and he tells us hey i want you to know that i had a dream last night i had a dream and in the dream i was sitting in a church and i was i was actually asking god to show me if you're real <laughs> he, he, god gives him a dream to show him to have him tell God in the dream, show me if you're real. And then he sees, he said, then I saw that happen. I saw that miracle. It changed my life forever. Wow. I'll hold on to that for a testimony for his life. A memory was triggered when, when Leah walked in, in, the when I saw Leah today. There are things like that that I've, I, I remember because I'm, I'm actually choosing to surrender my memory to the Holy Spirit Giving him full access to it so that, because there are other triggers that we have as well, right? There are the things that trigger other memories. But this is, is not a, a battle that God loses. <laughs> Again, as Sarah was talking about last week, there's, there's no fight between light and darkness. When we walked in today and we turned the light switch on, guess what happened? The darkness left. And so when I allow the light of the testimony to fill my memory and my mind, what it does is it drives those things out and I personally believe it even helps with trigger points I don't know if you can true, prove that psychology or medical science and but I, I know that it's helped me I can only tell you from personal experience is that I, I've allowed those things and I, I look the trigger the trigger points of the testimony of God that I have on my on my computer. I walk, looked at the picture of the little boy today from Brazil, Caleb, three years old, severely autistic, and in a moment, God heals him, and he gets certified by the same doctor that diagnosed him that he's completely healed of autism. <sighs> Look at this picture, and I remember the goodness of God. Look at the picture on, on my computer of the woman who two years had a headache in Brazil, and in a moment in a restaurant, she was healed. I remember how God healed 100% of the people that we prayed for on the street while we were in Brazil on that whole trip. 100%. I remember how over 400 people in a meeting were healed. I remember the thousands of people that just gave their life to Jesus. I remember His goodness. It's not because of me. It's because He's good. It's because of His goodness that came through Jesus. It's all because of Him. I even say we prayed for Him in in the testimony when there was nobody else with me because it's always a we. Because it, it should never be just me. Because then the attention comes back to me. Oh, well, Tony did this. Oh, well, Tony's whatever. No. <laughs> no, we're one. <laughs> and so it's always we. And so I, I see these things. I remember, I remember the conversations of the vulnerability that we have in our leadership meetings and watching the transformation of people embracing the process, including myself, and watching your lives and seeing the change in, in the way that you do relationship and in your families and the way that your hope is, has been taken to a whole nother level and the way that you're just completely different people, all of us, than we were just a few years ago. I remember, I look at people's lives and remember these things. So what will, be your, what will you allow to be your trigger points of good memories? What will you set up for yourself with the Holy Spirit? It's not complicated, it's very practical. And this is what I would do. I would make, I would make a list. I would make a list. I would make a list. I would, I would put pictures. I would put things in places that will trigger those. the goodness of God some of you got kids you put pictures on the you put pictures on the refrigerator <sighs> you know you got you got pictures in places put them out where you can see them cuz they are a reminder of the goodness of God they're a reminder of the faithfulness of God they're a reminder that God trusts you they're a reminder that God's good and I look back over those things and I ask God on a daily basis what are we going to what are we going to think about today What's the testimony you want to meditate on? What's the thing that you want to bring? And sometimes it's things that just feed me and sometimes it's things that are, going to feed, that are going to prepare me for later on in that day. It's going to be something of a broken bone that was healed and I'm getting an opportunity to pray for somebody that has the same thing. Or it's going to be in a hopeless situation that I watched him crash in and reunite a relationship where, where people weren't going to stay together and I get an opportunity to counsel people later on that day and I get to bring the hope into the situation. Because counsel's good, but hope is the best counsel you can give. It's the testimony of his goodness. People need to know the word testimony means to do it again. He wants to do it again. He wants to do it over and over and over and over and over. And we get an opportunity to partner with him and show other people that he wants to do it again. Break off a piece of our life or a piece of somebody else's or a situation that we've got the privilege of being a part of. It's a this, look what can happen for you. It gets me excited. It's what it's about. It's the gospel. It's an unstoppable force. And hope is the fuel along with faith and love that actually drive the engine of the gospel. And that's what you and I were to be ignited with. It's what we, it fuels our joy, right? Even if I have love and I don't have hope, it's not going to flow freely through me like it's supposed to. And faith and hope, they just coincide. Because when I have one, I have the other. So faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, as it says in, in Hebrews 11 the substance of things for, hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Say see, I'm not be able to see it, but I've seen something similar before. And that's what I'm grabbing a hold of from my own personal life and the people around me. And this is what I challenge us as a family to do today is that I, I you know, I remember whether it was losing a job, I remember God opened doors before. I'm like, okay, he's going to come through. Helps heal the hurt too, right? It brings us into this place. Whatever it is, provision, I'm like, man, I got more month than I got money. Oh, yeah. Remember when God came through? Remember when somebody came up to me and said, hey, I felt like I was supposed to write you a check for the biggest bill you got? Didn't tell anybody just because somebody was listening to God. say, well, I don't know if I have anybody in my life who listens to God. Well, don't worry. God can get them to you. (laughs) He's really good at his job. (laughs) Maybe somebody across town on the other side of the world who knows. Somebody's listening. Somebody's going to be obedient. Somebody's going to be a pathway to your, your new testimony of his goodness, his faithfulness in your life. So if you would stand with me. I just feel like there's an activation to be done today to activate our seeing, our hearing, and our remembering. That all three would be activated to be used by the Holy Spirit. That we would hand over all the real estate of our, our memories and our minds to Him. And that in doing that, the activation, giving us access into all three of those things, seeing, hearing, and remember, just in case, a couple of those aren't very clear at the moment. Because <laughs> I can always, always remember. And so Father, I thank you right now that just we, we take our minds, our memories, the real estate that you've given us in that space and we hand it over to you. We surrender it to you. <laughs> we yield it all to you. I thank you for setting up new trigger points for testimonies, for memorial stones, just like you told the children of Israel, just like Jesus was talking about to the disciples. And I thank you for activating. We all just ask that you would activate our seeing, our hearing, and our remembering. Our seeing your goodness, our hearing about your goodness, and our remembering your goodness. Thank you for activating all three of those today. I thank you for making it easier than it ever has been. I thank you for the practical. Each one of us setting up practical things in our lives, making lists, writing out testimonies, putting up pictures. Good trigger points for us to be triggered to think about your faithfulness and your goodness that Holy Spirit, you take each one of us on a journey through our memory of your faithfulness. That even right now, you would trigger a memory of your goodness and your faithfulness. I just want you to take a moment. I want you to take a moment and just think about, just let Holy Spirit trigger a testimony of His goodness towards you. Just let that be your thoughts. We're just going to take a couple minutes, and just meditate, just feed on that testimony. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thanks for something new to meditate on. (laughs) Raise your hand if your memory was triggered to a testimony of the goodness of God. Pretty easy to remember, huh? They're in there. You may feel like you don't have a surplus of them, that's okay, you don't need a surplus. 66 book love letter right here to get them out of if you, if you don't have enough for you listen to other people's testimony so father we thank you that you are solidifying a new way of thinking for us today we thank you that we're giving you full access to our memory I thank you for even those places that we have meditated on worry and fear things of the past that have brought us shame and condemnation guilt I thank you for that being broken today I thank you for a new pattern of thinking starting new trigger points that will trigger your faithfulness and your goodness even in those places that we those times of day I thank you for a rewiring of the of the memory right now to be able to remember what you've done who you are and ultimately that you sent Jesus to take our places You sent Jesus because you love us, because you're kind, you're compassionate, and you are good. So I bless what you're doing in this room, Father. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That You're adding increase in this practical way to our life to set us up to thrive in every season. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. With the prayer team, we'll be up here. We want to pray for y'all if you need it. Thanks, Jesus. Remember the practical things. He wants you to thrive. He set you up to do it. Whew. So if you need healed physically, you got emotional stuff going on, whatever's going on, you need prayer for. No need too big. No need too small. Bless you guys online, too. Whew. Pray that you receive everything we did here and more. So yeah. So you guys go ahead, come up for prayer. If you need to hang out with Jesus for a few minutes, whatever it is, we'll be here for a while and so don't rush. If you're encountering him in some way that you just want to sit still, by all means do it. If not, we bless you guys. Pray that you will enjoy your day. Say hi to somebody that you haven't met before before you leave, if you would. Love you guys.